We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Work, family, friends, a million pressing social issues and an expectation to be on 24-7. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for an ice cold Coors Light, the beer that's made to chill. Listen, there's a lot going on in Green Bay right now, and I feel like we could all use a moment to chill with a Coors Light. See, Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Perfect for a moment to unwind. Coors Light is what I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in their all-new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Pack-A-Day Podcast, your one-stop shop for Packers news, analysis, and, and banter between friends and fans of the green and gold. My name is Mike Welland. Joining me today, Tyler Grezegork, as we recap and break down the Packers' 29-29 tie against the arch-rivals Minnesota Vikings from Lambeau Field on Sunday afternoon. And Tyler, as we jump in, just quickly, what was a quick take from you from this game? Unsatisfied. <laughs> Um, obviously left wanting more after the tie. There's a lot to talk about regarding the application of the some of the new rules. There's some discussion out there whether or not the rules are actually new that were being applied in this game and whatnot. There's just a lot to talk about, a lot of hypotheticals, a lot of what-ifs. Uh, Green Bay should have won this game, and it it doesn't obviously reflect on the stat sheet as a win. So this is going to be a tough one to swallow. Uh, there's a lot of angst amongst the Packers and obviously the fans and media, but nobody is siding with the side of Minnesota in this one, not even Minnesota. So you, you just got to, we just got to move on and kind of accept the fact that the refs, again, kind of controlled the outcome of a game. But at the same time, you know, it, it there's a lot to take away from it. There's a lot of positives considering they were playing the Minnesota Vikings and went toe-to-toe with them. Yeah, I couldn't put it any better myself. I think there's a, there's a lot of controversy surrounding this game, and a lot of media is against what happened uh, late in the fourth quarter with with 
Clay Matthews and the interception by Jair, Jair Alexander, and we'll talk more about that a little bit later on. Uh, I guess also before we get into my takes, don't forget to follow us on social media at Packaday Podcast. Check us out on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, anywhere you can find a nice podcast, SoundCloud. We will be there as well. Uh, quick take for me as well is as much as heartbreak as there is kind of with this game because ties are never fun. I was really, really impressed by the resilience and youth of this team. The young defensive backs all played, I think, very, very well. Jamal Williams looked like a looked like a grown man again after he looked he looked like he did in the second half of last season. And a lot of good bounce back from guys who have been maligned over the past week. Uh, obviously, Clay Matthews had a much better game than he did against Chicago. Haha, <laughs> Clinton Dix had a big interception. He was a lot of times, despite what people will say on the first touch on my Minnesota. Other than that play, he was almost a lot of times in the right place at the right times. He wasn't as impactful as people want, but he was kind of, he, he, he was always assignment sure. And Ty Montgomery, again, had a very nice game strongly as well. And it's just, like you said, there's a lot of good things to take out of this game. There's a lot of good tape out there, as well as the fact that the Packers know that they have a dependable kicker, unlike our neighbors to the West. <laughs> yeah, no, and with, with Clinton Dix on that touchdown, he just looked frozen. Uh, he looked like he didn't know what he was supposed to be doing or where he was supposed to be placed I, yeah maybe that, it was a communication issue i'm not sure but yeah that's when i want to look at again uh uh a, a packers film breakdown guy on twitter uh at eye in the sky he said that they were playing cover three and that that inside route is king's responsibility and clinton Dink should have been playing outside because they end mm-hmm. up playing both outside coverage and so mm-hmm. lacron lacron treadwell in the one time he actually caught the ball uh, got through, was able to get into the end zone. So I'll have to watch that one again to see. Okay, but that's it's it's an interesting play and something that a very minor thing in the, all the scope of things that happened on Sunday afternoon. Right. right. You know, defensive miscues are going to happen. They just can't happen all the time. And you know, let's just put it this way: Kirk Cousins threw for 400 yards. He did. Yeah. But this offense was built to be a good offense with Kirk Cousins at the helm with Adam Thielen and Stefan Diggs, who is probably the best wide receiving duo in the NFL. The Packers just had to contain them. And outside of that big play to Stefan Diggs, where I have no idea why Mike Pettin was putting Devon house on an Island with single high coverage. Other than that play, I think they did a fine job of containing these guys. That play to Adam Thielen, the, the touchdown to tie the game in regulation. I, you know, I kind of touched on this on my Twitter page, but that's a play that Bryce Kentrell Bryce needs to make. He was inches away from whatever he was attempting to do. It, it looked to me like he got hesitant and he didn't want to get a he didn't want to hit Thielen the way that he originally wanted to because he kind of let up and he braced himself which caused him to take himself out of the play essentially if he just goes full speed he either has an interception or we're talking about a completely different outcome because he lights up Thielen and there's no way he holds onto that ball so a couple you know just a couple things there and this game could be completely different and we could be talking about a Packers win today and even on that play with Bryce it's almost like he held up a little bit because he didn't want to get penalized for hitting a defenseless receiver. This was was the same drive where with the Clay Matthews play, which it'll be forever known as, it'll be forever known as the roughing the passer game. And so this game, there are so many little things that, that got impacted by surprisingly things that happened 10 plays earlier, a quarter earlier, a half earlier. There's so much nuance to this game that ended for a game that ended in a tie. So I, I think right now, let's just kind of jump right in. Well, uh, Green Bay had the first possession, kind of got stalled out 
after Justin McCray got biffed on a big run by uh, Sheldon Richardson. Packers punted it out. But then J.K. Scott, story of the game, had some spectacular punting today. Oh, fantastic. Uh, Vikings took over again. They moved a touch a little bit, but then the rookies on the blitz, Jair Alexander, Josh Jackson, Reggie Gilbert, and Perry all converged and took down Kirk Cousins, forcing another uh, punt attempt. And then here's where chaos began. Geronimo Allison, <laughs> after Josh Jackson uh, moved over from his gunner spot late, Geronimo Allison breaks through, blocks the punt cleanly, and Josh Jackson catches it on the fly in the end zone for the touchdown. Yeah, I think this is the first of what's going to be many uh, defensive or just touchdowns for Josh Jackson, but Ron Zook drew that play up beautifully. They couldn't have executed it any better. Geronimo Allison had a textbook lunge at the punter. Josh Jackson was exactly where he needed to be. That was perfect execution. So... uh, it was it was really awesome to see because you don't get to see that kind of that kind of play very often. But ultimately, it kept the Packers in the game and got them a tie. And if they don't get that, we could again we could be talking about different outcome. You know, this, that's how close this game was. That that play was that impactful that it actually had a incredibly profound impact on the outcome of the game. Absolutely, and and you, and you talk about just the adjustments and a big play for John Ellison did not hit the putter before or after. Like, to not miss it and then get the punter and cause a penalty there, but just a nice, solid play by him. And I had the song in my house blasting a Geronimo by the band Shepherd going <laughs> after that, much to the consternation of my family, but I don't care. It was a great play. Awesome. Uh, however, the next shot for the Vikings, they did answer. They got a big kick return from Mike Hughes that was set up by Allison leaving his lane and Josh Jackson saving a touchdown. Yes. But then, then Diggs and Thielen got going a little bit early on, and Laquan Treadwell... More on him later. He beats Kevin King on a on a little skinny post or a slant for the touchdown. After we talked about, there was that miscommunication between Haha Clinton Dix and Kevin King, where they both played outside coverage, and that opened up the middle of the field wide open for Treadwell, who finally gets his first NFL touchdown in year number three after being a first round mm. pick. And uh, boy, did he need that after the day that he would end up having. For lack of a better word, <laughs> he just struggled. He sucked. And ultimately, I I'm not sure what his his fate on that Vikings team is going to be moving forward. They've got some serious questions to answer with him and both Daniel Carlson, the kicker. Uh, Kirk Cousins seemed to support the young guy and not lose any faith in him. But we'll see how they handle that situation moving forward because he just had some really really bad drops. Absolutely, and one of which almost ended the game as well in the fourth quarter. Uh, Packers get the ball back trying and trying to answer, and we didn't see uh, MVS, Marquez Veldes-Scantling, finally get his first catch. He was the only rookie receiver that was active today because they needed Tim mm-hmm. Boyle up there to be that third quarterback to be safe. And we also saw a little bit of vintage Aaron Rodgers. He, he was able to tuck it and run and get a first down, which made everybody a little bit terrified. Well, it was really funny because the broadcast showed him confronting Anthony Barr, uh, you would assume it was about the hit last year and, you know, just how it made Aaron Rodgers feel. It kind of looked like a guy who just had to get something off of his chest, you know. And um, the encounter did not appear to be too mutually enjoyable. Uh, Anthony Barr seemed to be dismissive of whatever Rodgers was saying. Um, and then later on, Rodgers had a little little scamper to the left, I think, and it was like a four-yard run. And... You saw Barr hold up, not touching Rodgers as he ran out of bounds, when normally you probably would have seen Barr lay a hit. 
you know, because he had the opportunity to uh, just yet another opportunity or not an opportunity, but another example of how these rules are changing the way that the game is played. No, that's you're right. It, it was interesting to see that dichotomy and Aaron took quite a few hits today, but it was a good sign that he was able to pop back up every time. Mm-hmm. He looked a lot better than he did the second half last week, a much, much less uh, immobile, I should say. But either way, uh, luckily the Packers had a very good running game today as well. They were able to keep a little bit of balance. Ty Montgomery and Jamal Williams both looked very, very strong, especially in the first quarter. Mm-hmm. On Ty Montgomery getting him outside the tackles, he looked very, very effective, especially early. Trying to uh, get a word. They're running away from Everson Griffin a lot. They're running at Daniil Hunter a lot in the running game, mm-hmm. uh, where his size isn't quite conducive to being that hold the point guy. And then that. So that took us to the end of the first quarter. It was 7 7. We finally had some Jimmy Graham sightings again in the second quarter. Harrison Smith covered him for a little bit. Then they went to Eric Kendricks. He was able to make some catches cover when Kendricks was on him. And Graham had a quietly a very productive game. I thought he was very effective and very influential in how the game went up. Mm-hmm. Uh, another key play as well that people forget about in the second quarter. Uh, Randall Cobb absolutely torches Mackenzie Alexander on an out and up route. Yes, but Alexander grabs him to hold him. Uh, kept gave the Packers a first down on a third down, but Cobb's got a touchdown if that doesn't happen. Luckily, the Packers did eventually score later on, but that's another key play in this one. Cobb was instrumental. Uh, he laid that block he was. that you know, sprung Devontae Adams up the sideline off of a little underneath crosser, and it's just the little things like that that Cobb does that really get this team going. No, you're right. Yeah, that play, he because he got absolutely lit up by Kendricks, and he, he held the block. Packers got a first down on it. It was a really strong play, and Randall Cobb continues to show his value each and every week to this team with all the little things he does. And that, again, goes back to the running backs where, as well, like I like from them is that people don't look at it enough, the pass protection by Jamal Williams and a much improved Ty Montgomery mm-hmm. was vital because the Vikings started to send some pressure as the game went on, and those two held up very well. But eventually that, that uh, first first drive of the second quarter ended with Devontae Adams, took another, another basic out route, broke some ankles, including uh, Z- uh, Anthony Barr and uh, Xavier Rhodes, to score for the Packers, make the, give the Packers a 14 to seven lead at 12:28 in the second quarter. Later on, Viking Kevin King showed some good coverage, a couple punts for the each team, and then J.K. Scott 64 yard punt, one of the punts of the year in the NFL. That oh I know 64 yards in the air forcing a fair catch, that was <sighs> unreal. That's unheard of. You, you're not going to see that in any. Probably any other game this weekend, maybe not any other game in this season. You're not going to get a 64-yard punt and then cause a fair catch. Also, this was out of the end zone. It just, it was an insane punt. Insane. Absolutely. It's why they drafted J.K. Scott, and it was, it was really cool. Uh, Vikings start to drive a little bit again, but they started to make Cousins a little bit uncomfortable. Uh, Muhammad Wilkerson, I thought, quietly had a nice game as well. Mike Daniels had a really strong game despite... One really odd play that we'll talk about in a little bit where he held up. But eventually the Packers got another punt. Uh, then Rodgers going back to Jimmy Graham early and often in the second quarter. He was really the key target during that, during that second quarter. A lot of, Almost got grabbed on the left sideline. Probably should have gotten call for a P.I. Then later on they called Devonta Adams for a kind of touchy offensive P.I., kind of flipping the drive for the team and kind of ending the drive. I don't want to keep dwelling on the penalties, but there was just so many questionable calls. And it's like, you know, the the game the game itself could have been completely flipped and multiple at multiple points um, throughout the quarters. 
I just I don't know uh, Tony Carrenti, the the head ref. He he needed to. I, I don't even know what I, I don't know what they were looking at. I guess is what I'm trying to get at, and I, I, it saddens me to see a game impacted like this game was by such poor decision making when it comes to calling these penalties. No, it was it was it was a rough game all around for the guys in stripes because even after this drive, after the next drive of the Packers, they got the Packers were in favor of an iffy roughing call on Eric Hendricks. That was just that was another very kind of touchy play that probably shouldn't have been called. Gave the Packers a little bit more life, and Mason Crosby hit a field goal to walk off into halftime. So at 30 minutes, it was 17-7 Green Bay with the offensive line doing a pretty solid job. Uh, Kirk Cousins a little bit of facing a little bit of pressure, and a lot of good showings from the young guys from Alexander Jackson, Williams, King had some nice plays as well. Uh, Blake Martinez had a very quietly solid game, and it was just pretty. It was a decent looking for good showing for the Green and Gold. And it, the, the the first half made me a lot more optimistic about the rest of the season after they're holding their own and really dominating a, a Vikings team. Yeah, I mean there was there was a lot to like from this young secondary. Kevin King was playing really well. He had that one play where he pinned, I believe it was Stephon Diggs to the sideline and just used his six three frame to block him out basically. And uh, there's no way that. Cousins made some perfect throws in this game, and I, I tweeted it out during the game that perfect throws beats perfect coverage because there was a lot of times that uh, the the Packers defensive backs would have perfect coverage on these guys, and Kirk Cousins Kirk Cousins was just beating them with a throw. I can think of the Josh Jackson example to Adam Thielen late in the game as a perfect example of that. But Kevin King had a fine game, and when he went out, his impact or his absence, I would say, was felt. It was, yeah. Devon House had to play most of the second half because the Packers went dime a lot again. And, yeah, that's the best way to private. And it seemed like a lot of Cousins' perfect throws went to Thielen. It was almost all of them. Diggs was getting open, but Thielen was being almost schemed open a lot. But it was it was a good good performance by, by Cousins. I still think he's overpaid, but he definitely showed up pretty well in this one. He, he proved me wrong with his um, his accuracy on the move. He got a lot better as the game went on. But in the third quarter, again, Jimmy Graham was getting open again. Finally got a huge play with Mackenzie Alexander caught peaking. Gained, I think, around 30 on that one. Uh, And the Vikings secondary showed a few holes early on when their pass rush couldn't get home, especially when you're going against Trey Waynes and Sandejo. You want to avoid Harrison Smith, but those other guys can be beaten. See, I I prefer to stay away from actually Andrew Sandejo because – uh, there's one thing I've noticed in the limited snaps I've seen of him, of him this year is that he is going to light guys up across the middle, and he actually got called for a roughing or not yep. roughing um, a defenseless receiver penalty uh, on Devontae Adams, and that's the type of player that he is. Uh, so there there are weapons defensively all over this Vikings defense. Uh, one thing I was really impressed with is. Aaron Rodgers' ability to quickly identify the blitz and get the ball out of his hands to prevent that big hit. He did that so many times this game, and it was necessary. And it was only like a three- or four-yard gain if it was just a little flip out to Jamal Williams in the flat or just a slant, that big slant that they had in the third quarter with, I believe it was Geronimo Allison, or fourth quarter, I'm sorry, it was a third and eight. And just little the little things like that can't go unnoticed because that is what kept the Packers in this game and kept them competitive. No, you're you're right. Just the intelligence of Aaron Rodgers and his offensive line was on display more and more as the game went on. It was exceptional. 
including on this drive where I, one of the notes I put was uh, the blitz pickup was absolutely outstanding by especially the running backs. And this was also the same drive where Devonta Adams took another headshot from Sandejo. And later on, Jimmy Graham thought he had a touchdown. He did a Lambo leap. However, a holding penalty on Lane Taylor took that back. Packers forced to a field goal. So at that point, it's 20-7 to Green Bay. And everyone's feeling a lot better on how this game might be going along. However, things would slowly again turn around just a touch. Mike, in, in one of the weirdest plays I've seen on a Packers defense in a while, Mike Daniels blew up the center, and he had Cuz wrapped up, but for some reason just stopped. Whether he thought the ball got out or whether he heard a whistle, I don't know. But he, he literally just stopped going, and Cousins was able to escape and get back to the line of scrimmage. So here's what I think happened. And once again, I'm being brought back around to the penalties and the impact they had on this game. But I think that Daniels believed Cousins had gotten rid of the ball, and he didn't want to take any chance of getting a penalty, so he just kind of let him go. And when he turned around to look for the ball, he was greeted by the opposing offensive lineman and he just kind of I don't I don't know I, I think it was just a bang bang play where he lost track of the football he just didn't want to get a penalty so he let up I think last year we see Daniels finish that play yeah you're right I think last year Daniels makes that play but again maybe the overemphasis stuff may have caused him to uh, think things through a second time and so he did let him go and Cousins escaped it didn't uh, affect too much in the third quarter whoever the fourth quarter, Vikings got the ball back after a, after a touchback. And Stephon Diggs beat Devon House one-on-one badly. And that was one where, again, where uh, it, Kenshaw Bryce read the underneath route. He kind of jumped it, was late to cover, and Diggs got behind everybody. And Cousins hit him on inch stride. And it was just like that. It was 20-14 to 14 in favor of Green Bay. And things got a little bit more nervous in Packerland. Yeah, I think that play specifically, I'm going to put that one a little bit more on Petten. I think he should have understood the fact that he had Devon House out there on an island against Stephon Diggs. That's not going to end well, all right? you He should not have left House alone and then left the single high safety that I would say at this point is unexperienced in Bryce. If it's Clinton Dix, maybe that's a different story and maybe we have a different, you know, a different outcome of that play. I... I didn't see where Dix was on that play. I am going to put that one a little bit more on the shoulders of Patton uh, than I am House, even though House obviously didn't perform on the play. So, uh, you know, that's also the risk uh, that you take with certain play calls, and you have to mix things up. So I'm not going to wrap. I'm not going to get too worked up about it. But you know, it's just the way of it's just the way of football. It's the way of the game. You're right, and actually, uh, I got to correct you. That that score happened later on. That brought the game to back within two. Uh, that was Diggs' second touchdown. His first one was one where he did like the triple motion that just completely it – It was gorgeous, <laughs> and it left Tremont Williams spinning, and he was There's wide open. nothing they could have done. No, that, that was just John DiFilippo doing mm-hmm. a great job scheming him open, and that made it in. Packers will go on to score a field goal, largely behind their running game, I think. Uh, also, Jimmy Graham almost got a touch on a free play, couldn't quite haul it in. That, that could have been another big one as well. And I wrote down, Jamal Williams is a grown man. He ran mm-hmm. hard, and he was able to get plenty of first downs. Led to another Mason Crosby field goal. And then we had the big score to Stephon Diggs. And that brought it back within two and made the game very, very interesting as the Packers get the ball back. And then, again, Jimmy Graham with a couple of nice plays on the sidelines, hurtling guys and showing why they signed him and, he, and showing that he still got plenty left in the tank. 
And also Geronimo Allison with a a lot of impactful plays on third downs and uh, breaking a lot of tackles, something you didn't see from him in his first couple years in the league. He's his he's he's like he's learning from Devontae Adams a little bit with his footwork. Yeah, Allison's a guy that's been impressing me. I I think I may have been a little quick this preseason and offseason to dismiss him as a vital part of this offense. I still think he's you know lower on the chain as far as the pecking order of targets. Um, however, he has been very impressive in the first two weeks of the season. Absolutely, and and Aaron Rodgers has shown that he is going to trust him with big throws, especially on a third down where a diving catch, and he somehow hung on to it, a very strong play. Again, led to another Packers field goal, 26-21. And here's, here comes the stretch where, where everyone thought the game was over in numerous different times. It started with... Laquan Treadwell letting one go right through the hands and in the right place at the right time was Haha Clinton Dix did the pick. He took it in. He almost got took it to the house. He, I think he went within the 10 when he got finally got brought down. Mm-hmm. And with the Packers, again, could not score on it. And that led to a – well, they also tried to run clock out a little bit as well, so they couldn't score. A couple plays well, did. Another in that situation, I believe Rodgers actually took two shots at the end zone. Yeah, he did. And I was extremely questioning the play calling because I – I believe in that situation, you need to force the Vikings to use their timeouts, and you do that by running the football. I I thought that was poor game management. I don't know who to put the blame on there, McCarthy, Philbin, Rodgers. I don't know, but they need to run the football in that situation ultimately. Yeah, that was another one, I think, also where Devontae Adams got angry in the end zone. He thought Rhodes got him in the, in the arms. That's another one in the, in the front corner of the end zone that he couldn't quite hang on to. But either way... Crosby kicks a field goal. It's an eight-point Packer lead. And I think it's the very next play from scrimmage after the kickoff is when everything breaks down. And a play that I'm sure is going to be talked about by multiple people on this podcast over the course of this week. Kirk Cousins just airmails one that Jerry Alexander tracks like a center fielder and makes an over-the-shoulder pick. I'm jumping around with my family. We're going nuts. We think the game is sealed up. We see the yellow hanky. Clay Matthews, for the second straight game, gets called for a critical roughing the passer call in the fourth quarter. Last week it was deserved. This week, not as much. He form-tackled Cousins right in the midsection, rolled off of him. Was And you talked about a point Aaron Nagler put a tweet out where you see Clay bracing his arm to not put his body weight on Cousins. But either way, the flag comes out. Media everywhere goes nuts. And people are upset about the call and thinking that this could cost Green Bay the game. It eventually almost did. But either way, Vikings get new life after this. Uh, Clay Matthews actually sat for a plays. We did see some surprisingly Kyler Fackrell on the field during this fourth quarter mm-hmm. a little bit more. He got ran over by Dalvin Cook. He did get ran over by Dalvin Cook. He also almost stopped him in the hole once, which mm-hmm. gives me a little bit more attention. He wasn't – I don't think it was a huge liability, but that's neither here nor there. We'll move mm-hmm. on from Kyler Fackrell. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Packers had plenty of pressure. Seconds. <laughs> Packers had plenty of pressure during that drive as well. Jair had one tip that hit him in the face that he almost picked off again. That it was mm-hmm. really close again. But eventually, the Vikings getting that that free extra possession. Adam Thielen made a spectacular catch in the uh, at the one yard line and rolled in again. We talked about it earlier. Kenshaw Bryce was just a split second late on it and hesitated. Vikings have a chance to tie it up. A little uh, back corner. Uh, end zone fade to Stephon Diggs ties the game on the two point conversion 29-29 with a little less than a minute to play and no timeouts for the Packers 
and we all kind of think it's going to overtime. It's going to happen. However, first play, and you can't overlook this, Jamal Williams goes for, I think, 12 on a run and helps the team get closer and closer. So they decide they're going to play for the win now. And they slowly move over Jimmy Graham with a couple nice catches on the sidelines. And Ice and the Kicker comes back to bite Wisconsin fans again. Wisconsin sports fans. Mason Crosby, 52 yards, a chance to win it. Hits the first one, but Minnesota called timeouts uh, just before the snap. And I saw someone else, uh, I think it was Jason Wilde, tweet that they should change the rule that you have to give, you have to give them a little more time to call the timeout instead of calling it right when the snap occurs. And I, I actually tend to agree with that. I, 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 I understand what the coach is obviously trying to do, but there, and it's it's all part of you know that idea of gamesmanship. But I, I do tend to agree with that. I think there needs to be a slight tweaking to that. It's getting a little bit out of hand. I mean, you want to talk about unnecessary football. Well, that is one way to have unnecessary football is waiting until that last second to call that timeout and just having these guys bash heads together for no reason. That's a very good point as well. Yeah, the safety part of it as well. But either way, so the timeout gets granted. Crosby has to try it again. This time he misses it wide left. His first miss of the game in six tries, and we get to go to overtime against the Minnesota Vikings. They win the toss. They get the ball. They are slowly marching it down. And as was a story throughout the whole game, Kyle Rudolph in the flat was absolutely decimating Green Bay. And they slowly march their way down into field goal range. And Laquan Treadwell, as I, I like to call him now, the new Jay Cutler, made another big-time drop. And then the Vikings' Daniel Carlson, our new favorite Packer player, for the third time, or the second time then, misses another field goal. Goodness. This kid, I hope he gets it right. That, I mean, especially at the kicker position, I don't want to say his career is over because obviously it's not, but he needs to he needs to rebound from that, and he needs to rebound strong. Yeah, there is now a Twitter account as well of, did Daniel Carlson miss? And it's, Wait, I'm sorry, what? There is now a Twitter account called, did Daniel Carlson miss? <laughs> And there's three tweets, oh. all of them saying yes. <laughs> that is awesome. <laughs> and then, so, after the missed field goal, Green Bay gets it back. Jamal Williams continues to have a nice game, and especially in the passing game as well. But then, as the Packers are driving, thinking that they can win it, Minnesota sends a telegraphed overload blitz that either Aaron doesn't recognize or the mm. line doesn't recognize, leaving David Bakhtiari to block both Everson Griffin and Mackenzie Alexander. And he blocks that- neither. Yeah, he blocks neither. He he, he he at least swept Griffin out of the play behind him, but Alexander mm-hmm. came wide and was able to sack a, a hobbled Aaron Rodgers. So Packers have to punt, and they, as a touchback, goes in the end zone. And then and then it was the Stephon Diggs show. He took over, was taking advantage of the, the conditions, the weather, and just a tired Packers secondary. Mm-hmm. And the Vikings can run it down. They have, an, they have a sh- another attempt to win it with a short field goal, and Green Bay takes another timeout to ice. And once you know it, Daniel Carlson, this time from maybe extra point range, and he had it lined up right down the middle, shanks it wide right. Yes. I, I, again, the roller coaster of emotions in these first 130 minutes of Packers football this year, my goodness. Like, I don't think I'm ever going to experience anything like it. Not even if the Packers make the playoffs and go deep into the, you know, make a deep playoff run this year. 
I just don't know if anything's going to replicate the ups and downs of the past seven days. Yeah, this this was just insane. And oh, some people can call it karma. You can call it whatever you want. And for the Packers to do it, do this game while missing some key players like Josh Jones, Oren Burks missed the game as well. Uh, Kevin King leaving in the first half with an injury. Uh, it's just it was just really a, a wide game, and the Packers just couldn't quite get the job done when they needed to. Whether it's through recovering from a bad call or trying to make that last interception or make that last block, it was just a game where one thing here or there, one or the other, and this game is different for either side. Well, and I think we kind of all foresaw that coming into this week. You know, this was going to be a game. It's a divisional game, first off. You know, there's a ton of bad blood between these two teams for obvious reasons. It was going to be one of those games where the slightest mistake could cost you the football game. Uh, and ultimately, both teams were able to come away generally unscathed. Um, it, it, it's really tough to talk about because it's just so unsatisfying to walk away with a tie after after everything you put into a game like that. Yeah, it is, especially now uh, Green Bay's got, got to go out to Washington. And so they got to make their first road trip of the season with we'll see how Aaron Rodgers is healthy is tomorrow. Hopefully they'll get Oren Brooks back and Josh Jones and a lot of these guys. It's going to be an interesting thing to keep an eye on. But also for Minnesota, they got to bounce back. They got to th- what, think of what they want to do with their kicker and and Laquan Treadwell and see how they bounce back. So even though this both teams now one zero and one on the year, they have as many wins at or they have as many losses as the Cleveland almost had many losses as the Cleveland Browns because they lost today as well. But it's one of those things where this game and just everything that happened is going to have an impact the next 14, 15 weeks. And this makes that late game in Minnesota all the more important Mm because that could be very well the tiebreaker for this division. And you're right, it does leave kind of a sour taste in everyone's mouth how this game went. But it's going to be interesting to see uh, how how the Packers especially move on from this and get ready for uh, getting games outside the division as we get in the early portions of the season. Yeah, I I think that getting out of Lambeau for a little bit, I can't believe I'm saying this, getting out of Lambeau for a little bit might actually do this team some good. Um, there's just been a lot of emotions in that in that specific stadium for the last seven days now. You know, maybe a road trip will do them some good, uh, give them an opportunity to clear their minds. Uh, Indianapolis handled Washington easily today. So I'm going to jump into that and kind of see how that happened because I definitely thought that Washington was going to be pretty good after their showing in Arizona. So maybe Arizona's just that bad. But, you know, Indianapolis handled them today, and that is not definitely not an expected outcome. So there might be hope that Green Bay can come in there and kind of just go to town offensively because I think that that's something that they can definitely take advantage of, and I think they can use a game – they could definitely use a game and probably need it where they just kind of blow an opponent out. And it's too early to say, plus it's the NFL, obviously, but that's just something I'm looking forward to is this team needs something like that. Absolutely. And plus the, the whole matchup, Aaron Rodgers and Alex Smith yet again. Mm-hmm. Yes. And as well, as well as taking on the other Gruden, uh, Jay over in Washington. But yeah, it's a, a disappointing, exciting, infuriating game between the Packers and Vikings. 29-29, your final score. They tie. Both teams now 1-0-1. Green Bay gets ready for Washington. And this has been the Pack-A-Day podcast. My name is Mike Wendland. Joining me, as always, is Tyler Grezegorik. 
Stay tuned. Again, every day we'll bring you the latest Packers coverage and analysis, as well as interesting topics around the world of football, how it can relate to the Green Bay Packers. Follow us online at Packaday Podcast on Twitter. Subscribe, rate, and leave a comment on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Spotify, wherever good podcasts are found. We are there as well. And Tyler, where can we find you? Uh, you can always find me on Twitter uh, at Tyler underscore Grez, T-Y-L-E-R underscore G-R-E-Z. Uh, I've been writing a lot more uh, since... Uh, for for uh, NFL Analysis Network, excuse me, since football picked up, putting up about three or four articles a week. So if you're looking for uh, some Packers information, analysis, storytelling, jump on over there to check it out. And you can find me as well on Twitter at Mike Wetland. Uh, find my writings on Dairyland Express. I'll be talking about three to five players who are spotlighted uh, later on off on the on that website as well. Find me on Packers Talk as well. I did some bold predictions for this week that actually came pretty well. I think I had a defensive touchdown and multiple interceptions. I almost came true with that one. But uh, follow us there. Again, follow the podcast wherever you can find us and on Twitter. And stay listen again tomorrow. We'll have more great coverage and analysis from this game and over the course of this week as well as the Packers move on to get ready for the Washington Redskins at 1-0-1. So until next time, this has been the Packaday Podcast. And as always, Go Pack Go! to go to scoreless first. Snap to Wild. Oh, yes! And taken by Jackson in the end zone for a touchdown! Geronimo Allison! Allison. Josh Jackson, the rookie, recovers in the end zone in a Lambo leap to the north end zone scales. The Packers have a 6 nothing lead. Roger shotgun, Williams to his left, snap to Rogers, tosses left side, got Adams, circle between two defenders in the end zone for a touchdown. Daniel Carlson, poised to end this game. 35-yard field goal attempt. Kevin McDermott on the snap. Matt Wild, the punter, down on one knee, waiting for the snap. Arm extended. Final seconds, four seconds to go. Snap, placement, kick, end over end of the upright. No good! No good! good. He pushed it to the right! The game is over. That is the end of the game. Daniel Carlson. The field goal problems for the Vikings have become legendary in recent seasons. He misses again in overtime. And this game ends tied at 29. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.